All right, we're going to study God's word. Psalm 139, we've got a lot of work to do. So I'm going to go ahead and read this passage to us. You know, I love the Psalms. That's no secret. And this is 150 songs right smack dab in the middle of your Bible. And in one sense, I think if I could say, you know, Casey Kasem's top 40, that was a thing when I was a kid. I think this would make the top. These are the, this is one of the all-time greats. Even in the greatness of the Psalter, this has got to be one of the all-time greats. Psalm 139. So I hope we come away encouraged. Follow along as I read. Psalm 139, beginning verse 1. Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I stand up. You understand my thoughts from far away. You observe my travels and my rest. You are aware of all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know all about it, Lord. You have encircled me. You have placed your hand on me. This wondrous knowledge is beyond me. It is lofty. I am unable to reach it. Where can I go to escape your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I fly on the wings of the dawn and settle down on the western horizon, even there, your hand will lead me. Your right hand will hold on to me. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light around me will be night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night shines like the day. Darkness and light are alike to you. For it was you who created my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I have been remarkably and wondrously made. Your works are wondrous and I know this very well. My bones were not hidden from you when I was made in secret, when I was formed in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw me when I was formless. All my days were written in your book and planned before a single one of them began. God, how precious your thoughts are to me, how vast their sum is. If I counted them, they would outnumber the grains of the sand. When I wake up, I am still with you. God, if only you would kill the wicked, you bloodthirsty men, stay away from me, who invoke you deceitfully. Your enemies swear by you falsely. Lord, don't I hate those who hate you and detest those who rebel against you? I hate them with extreme hatred. I consider them my enemies. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my concerns. See if there is any offensive way in me. Lead me in the everlasting way. So I'm gonna throw out three big theological terms and let's think about them together. So omniscience, omnipresence, and omnipotence. So obviously you hear the word omni, that means all. So let's think about what that means. Omniscience is that God knows all things, that he is all-knowing. Omnipresence is that God is everywhere present. He is present in all places. And then omnipotence is God has all power. He possesses all power. So here's the thing. Like these truths come home to David, and it's not abstract theology. It's not dusty, dry. It, is, it comes home with relevance for his own life and in the midst of the throes of difficulty. We're gonna pick up on some of that thread as it comes through when we walk through this passage together. God knows all things, God is present in all places, God possesses all power. Friends, we need these truths because these truths make Christians solid. These truths make Christians unshakable, they make Christians strong and when rich, the rich theology of these terms, and the rich theology of Psalm 139 is wired up to the heart of the believer. It creates this, 
these convictional statements that come rising out of our hearts with great assurance. And the first convictional statement is this, you know me. God, you know me. Look at verse one. Lord, you have searched me and known me. It's using this image of God doing this detailed, comprehensive, exhaustive scan of David's life. And God is fully aware, top to bottom, everything about David. So a couple of points we're going to unpack along the way. God's knowledge is wonderful, first of all. God's knowledge is wonderful. You see how he says that in verse 6? This wondrous knowledge is beyond me. It is lofty, unable to reach it. And then you see verse 4. Look down in verse 4. David says, before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely. God can finish all your sentences before you've even uttered the very first syllable of the sentence. He knows what you're going to say before you say it. Not only that, so there's absolute foreknowledge of the words we would speak, but he knows what you're going to do before you've done it. So, for example, God tells Moses, he says, I'm sending you to Pharaoh, and here's what Pharaoh's going to do. And he tells Moses what Pharaoh's going to do. And then Moses goes, does the thing God told him to do, and Pharaoh does the thing that God said Pharaoh would do. God says, uh, he comes up to his prophet Isaiah, and he says, I'm going to tell you about a guy named Cyrus. And here's what Cyrus is going to do. He's going to be a ruler of nations, and he's going to do this, and he's going to do this, and he's going to do this. Well, the issue is Cyrus isn't alive, and he's not going to be alive for 150 years. And yet God tells Isaiah, there's going to be a guy named Cyrus. It's going to be a while, but a guy named Cyrus is going to come on the scene, and he's going to do A, B, and C. What happens? Cyrus comes on the scene 150 years later, does A, B, and C. Not D, does A, B, and C, exactly what God said. This is lofty knowledge. This is, right, you can't wrap your mind around the greatness of the knowledge of God. Marvel Studios has kind of reclaimed the, the legends of old Norse mythology, right? So, so names like, like Thor and Loki and Odin. And maybe, you know, I knew as a kid, I knew Thor, the guy with the hammer, right? I knew, I knew him. I didn't know Odin. I didn't know Loki. Those names were not familiar to me until recent movies came out and kind of put them on the map. Well, Od- in Norse mythology, Odin is the all-father. He, he is the equivalent of Zeus in the Greek pantheon, in the, in the Greek mythology. He is the top dog, right? And Odin in Norse mythology, this is ancient poems about, about him in Norse mythology. And Odin, the all-father, he has two ravens, one on each shoulder, named Thought and Memory, Hunan and Munan, and they're, they're named Thought and Memory. And what Odin does is he, he sends the ravens out every day, and they collect intel from all the four corners of the world, and they come back to Odin, and they tell him what's going on in Odin's world. And one of the things that's written down in one of these ancient poems is that Odin is afraid that when he sends the ravens out, Thought, in particular, the raven named Thought, isn't going to come back and report to him. So there's this fear that he's going to be left ignorant of things that are happening in the world and it's going to make it more difficult for him to be the all-father, right? That, that is not the biblical doctrine of the omniscience of God. God searches all things and knows all things. He knows them simply. He knows them without working at them, right? So here's just a, a sampling of what Scripture says. Job 28 and 24 For he, God, looks to the ends of the earth and sees everything under the heavens. Psalm 147.5, our Lord is great, vast in power, his understanding is 
infinite. We could look at scores of verses like this where God shows his resume and just says, there's nothing that happens in the world, past, present, or future, that I'm not completely aware of. He doesn't need birds. He doesn't need ravens. He knows all things. His knowledge is vast. It is infinite. It is beyond our capacity to understand. God's knowledge is wonderful. Second, God's knowledge is personal. So this psalm is intensely personal. He uses I, me, my 47 times. So he's bringing this rich theology of the greatness and grandeur and transcendence of God. And he's bringing it all the way down into my world, into David's struggles, into David's realities. You see, verse 2, you know when I sit down and when I stand up. It's just an interesting phraseology that he uses there. This is a literary device in ancient Hebrew literature called a merism. It's even used today, right? But merism is kind of where you take two contrasting parts of the whole and speak of those two as the whole. We still do this today, by the way, where you might say, you know, I've searched high and low for that. And what you mean is, I've searched high and low and everywhere in between, not just high and low, where somebody would say, well, why didn't you search in the middle? No, when I said high and low, I meant everywhere, right? So scripture talks like that. This psalm talks like that. He says, you know when I'm sitting down and you know when I'm rising up to go somewhere. You know when I'm traveling and when I'm at rest. You know me in every season of my life. In all my comings and goings, you are fully aware. Jesus said, not even sparrows fall to the ground without the Father being completely aware. And he says, you are worth more than many Sparrows, you think he's going to lose track of you? And yet sometimes there is that struggle, isn't there, as believers, and we think, I think he's lost track of me. As a kid, I, I remember um, my parents lost me in the French Quarter when I was like six years old. And I was mad at them for weeks after that, right? It was just a devastating experience. I'm like, I'm look, I remember I'm looking at the Cafe du Monde just frantically, just sea of people moving in all directions right there in, in the French Quarter, and I was terrified Right? I say this as though I haven't lost my own children. I've done that a hundred times as well, right? But we lose track. Sometimes that, that happens, right? Well, here's the truth that David says in verse 5. You have encircled me. Another translation says, you hem me in both behind and before. You're in front of me. You got my six. You're, you're on all sides, right? You've placed your hands on me. It's a, a deeply personal image. Christian friend, remember this morning. These are the simple truths, but they hold on to us, Right? You might lose sight of God, but that doesn't mean God has lost sight of you. And there's that sense in which sometimes we feel like God has lost sight of us and he's never lost sight of us. You ever been in a season where you're struggling to remember the things that are really the basics of Christian faith, the basic statements, and you are having a hard time holding on to those basic truths that you, you knew? There's... There's a beautiful novella, just a brief little novel. I read it recently. And it's called My Last Name by Eric Schumacher. It's a beautiful story, fiction story, but it's a story about aging and loss and, um, and dignity and pain. Um, and in it, the main, main character is a woman named Mrs. Barnes. And, and she has gotten very old. And there are things that she remembers with crystal clarity that happened 60, 70 years earlier, 80 years early, and she remembers it like it was yesterday. And then there are other things that she cannot remember consistently like, and the name of the book is My Last Name. And here's one of the things that 
she speaks as a fictional character. She says, there's nothing natural about being 95 years old, being dressed by a young woman in pink pajamas. So they're not pajamas, that's the nurse, right? But this is her speaking. Being unable to forget the things you never wanted to remember and unable to remember the only things you ever wanted to keep. And that's why we need Psalm 139. Because these are the truths that we have to keep because these are the truths that keep us. These are the truths that hold on to us. In one sense, Christian friend, every time you open God's word, you are in essence praying and saying, if I forget my name, remind me. If I lose my way, find me. You're saying that to God. I can be so forgetful. I can lose my grasp of the most basic things, and yet, can you close the distance if that happens? Can you come and find me when I can't go and find you? That's the beauty of Psalm 139. No wonder this psalm has sustained believers for century after century after century. God's knowledge is wonderful. God's knowledge is personal. Third, consider the gospel. Have you ever considered the gospel in light of the omniscience of God? So Romans chapter five, it tells us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So just think about that for a second. In full view of my sin, he wasn't ignorant. I couldn't put my best foot forward and he was buying it. He saw it. He saw my body of work. He saw my rebellion against him. He saw my sin and my guilt and my shame. And he stumbles forward to the cross on purpose in full knowledge of what I had done to offend him. This is glorious. Look, if you were God, you wouldn't do it this way. Romans tells us that. For a good man, somebody might die, but not for his enemies. That's not the way it shakes out in this world. If you were, if you were God and you saw the, wor- the way that the world treated its creator, you would either hurl lightning bolts or run the other way. What you wouldn't do is what God did in Christ. You wouldn't have said, I'll be stripped if it means they can be clothed. I'll be bruised if it means they can be healed. That is, in fact, what our Savior did. He entered in. Oh, friend, believe. (laughs) Run to the rock. Run to the one hope of the world. Look, this world, so often, right, the cynicism that this world has toward Jesus Christ, what we know from the inside is, if you only knew what he's like, there's no way you'd run the other way. You would run toward him, not away from him. If you only knew what he's like, believe this morning. And in believing and repenting of your sin and trusting in Jesus, the savior of the world, you'll be able to say with the psalmist, with new meaning, you know me. God, you know me. And you'll be able to say the second thing as well. You're with me. You're with me. That's what you see in verse seven through 12. So three truths we'll unpack here. The first is this, we can't hide from God where he can't see us. We can't hide from God where he can't see us. You know, the point of so much of the, the sayings of Jesus is he comes to the religious leaders of his day and he says, it's all window dressing, guys. And you've been hiding the interior of your heart and your life. You've been moving your lips, but your heart's been a thousand miles away from the one true God. And everybody out here buys the sham that is your relationship with God, except for me. He says, you've done a fine job cleaning the outside of the cup, but I can see what's inside. And if everybody else saw what's inside your cup, nobody would drink from this thing because it's full of corruption. 
and it rocked their world because Jesus could see the stuff that they were trying to hide. They put all their righteousness out in the open for everybody to see, and he said, you did it for the praise of the eyes of men. But God sees what's in secret. God sees when people go into their room and they close the door and they pray in secret and he rewards them openly. That's, that's how it works. Right? Sometimes we hide parts of our lives from God, but he sees us. He's not duped by us. He, doesn't, he, can, he can call all of our bluffs. He doesn't believe my lies. He knows when I'm believing my own lies and he's not tricked by that. He's not deceived. He's not deceivable. We can't hide from him where he can't see us. Second, we can't run so fast that he can't catch us. Isn't it strange language that the psalmist would say in verse seven, where can I go to escape your spirit? (laughs) Are you really asking? (laughs) Where can I go to get away from you? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go here to the heights, I can't get away from you. If I go all the way to the depths and shield, I can't get away from you. If I go to each side of the horizon, east and west, I can't shake you. I can't get out of your sight. It's about the tenacity of God, Frank. Francis Thompson was born in 1859, had a very hard life, severe illness, led to an opium addiction early in life, which then turned a major corner and led him down a very dark and destructive path for many years. And he would later, uh, God would catch up to him, and he would write a poem that became an immediate masterpiece. It was called The Hound of Heaven. And in the poem, he just talks about the fact that I kept running away and you just kept coming faster and faster. You were closing in and I heard you over my shoulder. Here's what he writes. I fled him down the nights and down the days. He's running from God. I fled him down the arches of the years. I fled him down the labyrinth and ways of my own mind. And in the midst of tears, I hid from him, from those strong feet that followed, followed after And it's like a 16-page poem. And with each stanza, he says, I was running and I was running and I was using every power I had to get away from you. And you kept closing in. And then when you finally caught me, I found out you were a God of love. And if I would have known that in the beginning, I would have turned around and opened my arms. It's a beautiful story, the hound of heaven. He just keeps following after us. We can't hide where he can't find us. We can't run where he can't catch us. And when we can't see what's ahead... God does. David says, look at verse 12. Even the darkness is not dark to you. The night shines like the day, right? Darkness here, it means hopeless circumstances. Darkness is fearful to us, and that makes sense because dangerous things happen in the dark and we can't see them coming. That's why darkness is so terrifying, right? No wonder this psalm is so precious to believers because it says, you and I can't see in the darkness. That doesn't mean God can't. I remember as a kid watching a a cartoon where the the forces of good had night vision goggles. And it was like the first time I had seen that before and they were in the woods and they put these night vision goggles. They could see the trees and everything was light. In one sense, you could deliver Psalm 139 to kids by just saying, God has night vision goggles, Right, so what's dark to us isn't dark to him. He can see, and the one who holds your hand can see in the dark. That's such a rich consolation for us. God says, what's dark to you isn't dark to me, and I'm the, I got you. I'm not going anywhere. I'm holding on to you. I'm not moving. You know me. You're with me. Third, you made me, and now we're getting to the bottom of where this all began. You made me. Verse 13 and 14. You knit me together in my mother's womb. 
I have been remarkably and wondrously made. God works wonders in darkness. God works wonders in darkness. You know, the greatest artists of the world, their, their works are studied and appreciated for centuries and centuries and, and centuries. But you go back and you ask Da Vinci and you say, hey, let's paint the Mona Lisa one more time with the lights off. Let's, let's do the, the Pieta, right? And let's, let's do that sculpture, but this time let's do it in complete and total darkness. And here David says, in complete darkness you made me. You formed my fingers and toes. You knit me together in total darkness. It was, there was no ultrasounds, right? In total darkness, you made your masterpiece. You formed me. I am remarkably, wonderfully made, and you did it in the dark, right? You see, David is connecting these ideas. He's moving from the fear of the dark in verse 12 to the beautiful things that God can make in the dark in verse 13. These ideas are Connected. Not only does God create every life, even in the womb, but he sustains that life and writes a story for that life that goes all the way through David's whole life. You know, when we keep reading and we'll see it in a moment, David is in big trouble in this psalm. He is not looking out on the back porch and everything is rosy. He is not having his best life, right? He is up against evil. He is up against enemies who would kill him. You pick that up in the very next verse, in verse 19 through 22. And what David says, though, in verse 16 is, you get to write the story and nobody can unwrite the story that you have written. Nobody can hijack my life. I'm not stuck in some alternate narrative and now there's only joylessness and despair. I'm not stuck in some story that's created and written by my enemies. You're in charge. Every day of my life was written by you, a God of providence. It's not over. Augustus Toplady was a famous hymn writer. And he talked about how when God does a work, and those who are in, in Christ, the story that God writes in our lives is written with indelible ink, so nothing can scratch it out, nothing can erase it, not Satan, not hell, not me. Nobody, nobody can undo it or erase it. His hymn said this, my name from the palms of your hands, eternity will not erase. Impressed on your heart, it remains in marks of indelible grace. That's the beauty of the gospel. That's the work that God has done in Christ. Christian, this is an article of faith. Hold on to it. No one and nothing in this world can loosen the grip of God's grace on those who are in Christ. That's just good news. God works wonders in darkness. God is not only transcendent, he is tender. You see the language there in verse 17? How precious your thoughts are to me. How vast their sum is. If I counted them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I wake up, I am still with you. You know, there are two kinds of nightmares in a way. There's a nightmare that you're having when you're asleep from which you're trying to wake up. It's a nightmare because you're having a hard time waking up. And then there's another kind of inverted nightmare, and that is when you've had such a good dream and it's so realistic and you wake up into the nightmare. Because you, your eyes blink open into a real world where now, okay, it wasn't true. What I was dreaming about at night wasn't true. I think David's point here is something like this. Whether we wake out of a nightmare or into a nightmare, God is with us. 
And in David's case, the reason I say it that way is in David's case, he wakes up into a nightmare. Because he says, verse 18, you are still with me. I am still with you. And then he's looking out at his enemies and the evil ones who would do him harm. He wakes up into a nightmare, but he says, you're here. And that changes everything. You know me. You're with me. You made me. Now lead me. Now lead me. It seems like a hard right turn, right? Because he's talking about God's precious thoughts one second, and then he's saying, God, take out the wicked. Kill the wicked. But, but God never makes David pretend that his world isn't filled with monsters. And David's world is filled with monsters. The, the real world has real monsters in it. Verse 19, he's talking about the wicked. And he says, God, if only you would kill the wicked. What's going on? David's just saying, there's a line in the world and there are righteous ones who serve and love God and then there are unrighteous ones who don't honor God and who hate him and hate his people. And he says, I can see which way is up. There's real evil in the world and I want you to know I'm not gonna throw my shoulder behind that cause. I'm with you. My allegiance is with you. I'm nailing my colors to the mast. I want you to shut down evil in this world and I wanna help. I wanna be a part of it. He says, verse 19, you bloodthirsty men, stay away. So it's, a, it's an allegiance thing. Get out of my sight. I'm not in league with you. I'm, I'm with God. David is resolved to demonstrate integrity, his ultimate allegiance to God. You know, in a way, you see the movement of Psalm 139. The early part of Psalm 139 is David saying, God, you've been with me. And then here at the end, he says, God, I'm with you. I'm for you. I like where you're taking history. I want to stand with you in that cause. Here's the truth of it. We make no alliance with darkness, including our own. This psalm doesn't allow David or the church for that matter to fixate on the darkness that's out there in that mean and nasty world. David says, look, deal with the evil that's in the world and while you're dealing with it, deal with mine. While you're taking out and destroying the monsters in this world, deal with what's monstrous in me. He says, if you find anything evil in me, anything offensive in me, deal with me. There's a humility there before God, an openness to be changed. He says, lead me in the everlasting way. And in this way, friends, I hope we see the beauty that this psalm ends right where it began. Look at it, verse 1. Lord, you have searched me and known me. Verse 23, God, search me and know me. You have searched me and known me all the way up until now. Don't stop. Search me and keep knowing me. Search me and know me. Bring the change, right? Look, God wants to take this truth and make Christians solid. God wants to take this truth and make Christians courageous and confident in his grace and in his sovereignty. Brook Hills Kids has had um, a five-year scripture memory plan in place for years now. I love it. And when we first moved here in 2012, our daughter, our youngest, uh, Ellie, she was seven years old. And the verse that they were going through was Psalm 139, verse 9 and 10. So she comes home from kids' ministry that night, and she says, here's a verse I'm trying to memorize. And so we walked over to the piano, and we made up a melody, and we stomped our feet, and we sang that song and changed keys and just louder and all the rest. 
so that those words could be inculcated, could be imbibed, right, into her heart and into her mind. I think, is Ellie, she was here in the first service. I don't know if she's here. Ellie, are you here? Y'all want her to sing it? I hear, oh, there she is. Hey, Elle, you want to sing it? Come on. All right, so this is, a, we did have one chance to rehearse in the 8 o'clock service. It was a little bit bumpy, but um, here's the song. You, you good? You're on? All right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Let me give it a key. Where shall I go from your spirit? Where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed and shield, you are there. If I take the wings in the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. That's the song. Yeah. Thanks, babe. <laughs> so, so don't learn that version because that's the ESV version. And we have, now, we have now moved on to the Christian Standard Bible version. But, but seriously, there's what I love is there's purpose in including that verse in the memory of our children, our sons and daughters. Because Ellie and I would sit down at the piano and we would pound away at that song and then I'd change keys and go higher and higher and we'd laugh and slap our legs and just cut up. And in the back of my mind the whole time I'm thinking, there's gonna come a day I don't know if it's going to be 10 years from now, if it's going to be 15, 20, 30 years from now. There's going to come a day because we live in a fallen world and it's going to seem like God is a million miles away. And in that moment, the prayer is that our sons and daughters are going to reach down and Psalm 139 is going to be right there. Even there, even if I make my bed in Sheol, I can't shake you. You'll be there where I thought you could never be. You'll still be there. When all hell is breaking loose in my life and the wheels come off, you'll still be there. And these truths are going to hold her fast. It might not stop the storm, but it's going to hold her steady. That's Psalm 139. You want to be steady? You want to be confident in Christ, assured of his grace, assured of his power and providence and sovereignty? You're going to need three big words to take a place and take root in your heart omniscience, omnipresence, and omniscience, and omnipotence. You're going to need a God who knows all things, a God who is everywhere, who finds you in your darkest places, and a God who has all power, who possesses all power. He alone is the one who can hold your life in his hands. Friends, who is like our God? What a glorious God he is. May we trust him.